0: Yeah! Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. Great, great. Good morning, everyone. And, uh, man, glad to see that we're pretty full this morning. I know that for some of you, it probably took some commitment to coming to church this morning. Because I don't know about you, I, I had to shovel myself out of snow yesterday. Anybody shovel themselves out of snow yesterday? All right. See, I live on on Vernon Avenue, actually right next to Pastor Chris, and for some reason, we have real bad snowdrifts, and so I had like three foot of snow at the front of my driveway, so man, I'm glad to be here this morning, and the only way I was able to come is because I spent an hour and a half shoveling myself out of snow. Can I get an amen? Anybody else do that yesterday? All right, free workout. Um, It is great to be here. My name is Ben, and uh, this is my family, my wife Kathleen, and we have two boys Caleb is five years old, and Levi is two, and um, you may think, because you saw me sitting up here by myself, that I came alone this morning, but actually, I came with my two boys, and my wife is on a sister's trip in Florida, so... While we're all uh, here on a cold, wintry day, she's enjoying the sun on a sister's getaway. Um, But my boys are here, so you'll see them after the service. I have a little table. Grab a prayer card. They love to hand them out. They try to, like, make it a competition who can hand out the most. So um, they'll be excited to see you. And um, let me go to the next slide here. Indonesia, all right? We're, we're missionaries in the country of Indonesia. We've been serving there for um, four years, got back last May and have been here um, um, raising funds, itinerating over the last eight months. But for some... Um, you may have never even heard of Indonesia. Like where is this place? But, um, Indonesia, as you already heard is actually the fourth largest country in the world. Um, of course, most of us have heard of the first three largest countries, right? China, India, and the United States. But number four in population is the country of Indonesia with 250 million people living there. And, um, there's, um, 17,000 islands that stretch from India to Australia, and on these islands are literally hundreds of distinct ethnic groups. There's 300 different languages spoken across the islands of Indonesia. And probably the thing that's most shocking to people is Indonesia is the largest Muslim nation in the world. Um, in fact, there's more Muslims in Indonesia than the entire Middle East combined. And so this is where our family moved to five and a half years ago. And, um, I'll never forget the day when we packed everything up. Um, you can go to that that next slide. We had, um, we, we, had like twelve pieces of luggage packed up with all of our stuff. Um, I was—I remember—I was twenty-five years old at the time. I had my six-month-old baby, Caleb, and, and Tow. Uh, I had been married for three years, and, and we were loaded down with the pack and play, the car seat, the stroller. I mean, we—we we had everything there. My, my mom and my dad were there, and uh, we we're at Chicago Hare International Airport, getting you know, getting checked in, and. And my mom is real emotional, and, and so she's crying, and, and I go over to you know, kind of put my arm around her and console my mom. I say, Mom, it's all right. We'll, we'll be back in a few years. And, and my mom, with tears in her eyes, says, It's okay if you and Kathleen go. Just don't take the baby. <laughs> and, uh, and if we have any grandparents in the room, they're like, Amen. <laughs> And, uh, and then we got on a plane for 24 hours, and about halfway through, I thought to myself, maybe I should have left the baby. <laughs> All right, if you want to become more like Jesus, take my two boys on a plane for 24 hours. And, uh, and I'll never forget. Right, we get to Indonesia. We we show up in the capital, Jakarta, and we go. Through, we get all of our twelve pieces of luggage, and I had them on two different carts. I'm trying to push them through the airport. It's one o'clock in the morning. Things are falling off, and I, I finally make it through customs, immigration, go out the front doors of the airport, and, and when I when I went outside, there were people everywhere. There's uh, you know ninety percent humidity. It was like ninety five degrees outside, and and I couldn't understand a word. Anyone was saying I couldn't read anything, and and I remember in that moment feeling so overwhelmed. Right, like like this was the moment, the the climax. This was the 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 beginning of an incredible journey. But it was in that moment where where I was feeling overwhelmed that the voices of discouragement started to kind of seep in, and and I began to question, like, did we really make the right decision? Is this really what God has called us to do? And and for for probably six months. Months, this went on and, and and we're trying to go through the you know culture shock and, and trying to deal with being woken up by the mosque and our you know the chickens that live next door and cockroaches and scorpions and you know everything that you would imagine living in a tropical country. And um and and, and and I'm sure some of us at times in life can probably feel similarly that that sometimes as we're we're kind of on journey with God and and, and we're fulfilling what God's called us to do, there's times where we question and we say, God, is this, is this really, am I really on the right path? Is this, is this really what you called me to do it? It may be at times where, where you face loss or you face difficulty and you, you think that you just want to throw in the towel and give up. And, uh, and what I found over the last, you know, five years, um, serving in missions is that it's crucial. It's it's of utmost importance to constantly remind myself of my mission Um, Our mission, and I think we have a slide for this, our mission is all about why you're here and um, i was thinking this morning that this is actually a really important point to consider as we move into 2019 because because we as we consider our mission maybe for some of us 2018 was a struggle maybe for some of us it, it wasn't one of the best years we've had maybe we faced uh, you know some sort of difficulties in our families or marriages and um, at at our at college or whatever it is and and there's there's times where in 2018 you you got to the end of it and you said can i can can even go on another moment? Can, can can I even start again? And at the beginning of a new year, it's like we get this new momentum that says maybe just one more time we can give it a shot, right? Like maybe I'll, I'll just keep on going. And and really, our mission—it's about why you're here. And you might it might be easier to even consider it as being more like a like what's the goal? Like who do I want to become? What 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 has God called me to do? And for us in Indonesia. And I believe for all of us, um, our mission is helping people move from where they are to where God wants them to go, who, where God wants them and how he wants them to become. And um, if you want to go to the scripture, I want to look just briefly here at Matthew chapter 28, um, 18 through 20. And if you're familiar with the passage, we know that these are the last words of Jesus. Um, Jesus was getting ready to ascend to heaven, and and he was now handing over the mission to the disciples. And it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so the disciples they're hearing this and for 3 years they've been walking with Jesus they um they, they have been eating with Jesus and they they had been uh, you know going everywhere preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and and you can imagine now Jesus is now handing the mission over to them saying that, listen, I want you to go out now and rescue the lost. I want you to go out and help people to discover their purpose and help people to find freedom and all these things. And really what Jesus was doing is he was saying, I want you to lead people along this spiritual journey from where they are to where God wants them to be. And probably the most basic way we do this as missionaries in Indonesia is by helping people to find Jesus, by helping people to know God. I mean, really, it's probably one of the most basic things we do as followers of Christ, that that we have found salvation from our sins, and now we want to share that incredible hope with other people. And so uh, one of the reasons why we chose to move to Indonesia is because um, we always wanted to be someplace where the gospel, the good news of Jesus, had never been preached. And so in Indonesia, like I said, it's the largest Muslim nation in the world. There's 140 million Muslims living there. There's, there's uh, literally millions of people that have never heard the gospel. And you may be wondering, like, how could that be that after 2,000 years that there's still people that have never heard the the gospel, that have literally, some of them have never even heard the name of Jesus. And uh, in Indonesia, there's really two reasons, okay? Number one in Indonesia is some people um, are unreached because they're simply difficult to reach. They have a hard heart. What we found over the last five years uh, living and working among Muslim people is that it is a difficult thing for a Muslim to come to faith in Christ. And so um, as an example, for two years, we did campus ministry in Indonesia. We were part of Kai Alpha Indonesia. And if if Kai Alpha means something to you, I know we have a Kai Alpha starting up here in Bloomington-Norbel next year. So if you don't know about that, it's a, a campus ministry. So you should all be very excited and tell pastor Chris to get behind. I'm sure he already is, but I don't know. He's not here this morning, so I can't ask him, but uh, you guys can ask him. But anyway, we did Kai Alpha, not in Bloomington Normal, but in Indonesia. And every Friday night, we had an interfaith community where we would um, have English community with uh, Christians and Muslims. And it was always our prayer that God would bring um, people from ethnic groups in Indonesia that have never heard the gospel. We have 227 ethnic groups in Indonesia that are completely unreached. And when I say unreached, I mean that they've never heard the gospel, okay? And so one Friday night, um, we had a young man by the name of Philo. He was um, 18 years old, studying at a local university. He was a communications major. in Indonesia, it's a very common thing. Whenever you meet someone for the first time to ask them their ethnicity, we literally ask them, what's your tribal group? Okay, literally in Indonesian, that's what you ask. And so Fila responded, and he said, well, I'm from the tribe of the Bugis. Okay, and, and when we heard that, our, our hearts began to stir that God had answered our prayer. Because what you, what you probably don't realize is that the Bugis people is a group of 5 million people on the island of Sulawesi in Indonesia. And less than 1% of the boogies are followers of Jesus. And so when we heard that Philo showed up, it was like an answer to prayer that we began to believe and pray that maybe this could be the moment. That a boogies hears about Jesus and receives him as his Lord and Savior. And, and so he came that night and we quickly built a relationship with him. And and, and shortly after that, uh, probably two months later, we asked Philo if he'd be interested in studying the scriptures with us. And to our surprise, he agreed. We began studying the Bible with Philo, going through Genesis and, and talking about the fall and going through the, you know, the, the Old Testament into the New. Until probably after two months of studying the scriptures, we got to Romans chapter 10. It says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And after two months, we asked Philo, are you ready to follow Jesus? And Philo responded and said, no. (laughs) All right. Like you're ready for the, you're ready for the big, you know, the praise the Lord. He said, no, he said, I'm a Muslim. There's no way I could follow Jesus. And, and kind of with a heart of a discouragement, okay, one of our teammates that was doing the Bible study, he, he said, I, okay, I don't know what else I can do. And he handed Philo off to another teammate. And then they did a Bible study for two months. And, and they got to that same point, Romans chapter 10, they asked him the, the, that question, are you ready to follow Jesus? And Philo responds and says, no. And, and, then, and then somebody else does a Bible study with him. And we would have teams from America come, 12 teams every summer would come from, from uh, young people in the U.S. And they would share with Philo the gospel. And, and this one on for months for over a year for two years until finally after two and a half years philo at one o'clock in the morning sent out a text message and said i've become overwhelmed with the enormity of my sin and i don't know what to do about it how many know that we know what to do about it amen and so we quickly respond, We're, so let's meet, let's meet this morning. And so we got breakfast with Philo and, and, and Philo he is sitting across the table from us with tears in his eyes saying, I don't know what to do with my sin. And we got to Romans chapter 10 for probably the, you know, the hundredth time and asked Philo, are you ready to follow Jesus? And Philo responded and said, yes. And he gave his heart to Jesus. That's a good place for, for an applause. I don't know if we get excited about salvations here. Now, it's one thing in Indonesia for... A Muslim young person to give their heart to Jesus to follow Jesus, but man, it is a whole other thing when they get baptized. And uh, one of my favorite memories in Indonesia um, was doing a baptism service in our backyard. Okay, so um, what we had to do—it felt kind of like the underground church because there was a big sensitivity. We had eight students that wanted to get baptized, and and uh, and it was kind of secretive, and and so we had a group of about thirty of us that gathered in my backyard, and we got a big orange water tank. And, uh, we cut the top off and we began baptizing students. And, uh, I'll never forget whenever Philo got baptized. Um, Philo was the last person in the lineup of eight people that got baptized. And when he got into the water, um, there was such emotion that began to ensue. And, and uh, I think we have, we have a picture of it. If you want to go to that picture, um, and whenever Philo, you know, he went into the waters of baptism, signifying his burial, that his old life had been had was gone. And when he came out of the water and you know, signifying his new life that he found in Jesus, it was like for a moment we could experience what what the scriptures talk about, that, that in heaven. Heaven rejoices that the entire hosts of angels rejoice over one sinner that's brought to repentance. And, and in that moment, it was like just the spirit of rejoicing fell upon our 30 people that was congregated there. And just such rejoicing, tears of, of happiness and joy because Philo had come to know Jesus. And he, had, he, had, he was ready now to show the world of his changed life. Now, some people in Indonesia are like Philo, that they are just difficult to reach. I mean, it takes, it takes probably, you know, multiple people, dozens of, you know, gospel presentations for someone like Philo to come and follow Jesus. Now, others are unreached simply because they're difficult to get to. Um, whenever we were preparing uh, about five, six years ago to come to, Indo- to move to Indonesia, my family, they would kind of joke with me and, and they would ask me like, couldn't you have been a missionary in Chicago? Like, you know, go a little bit closer or, you know, or, or they say, if you have to go overseas, like, couldn't you have been a missionary in the Bahamas or Jamaica or may, maybe Mexico? Like why Indonesia? And I would jokingly respond and say, well, all the easy places have already been taken. Like I've got to go someplace where the people have never, ever heard the gospel. And um, as a result of that, we have a commitment as a family, every year we try to take a mission trip. Now, I know that sounds kind of ironic. We're missionaries taking a mission trip. Um, But some places are just difficult to get to. And so uh, two years ago, I took a trip to the Maluku Islands. Now, the Maluku Islands is an island chain in Indonesia. And to get there, we had to take an a eight-hour flight from our city to the island of Ambon. We got to the island of Ambon. We got into an overnight ferry to the island of Sedram. We got to the island of Sedram, We got into two vans that took us 12 hours across the island, over a mountain, through a valley, to the other side of the island. When we got there, we got into the back of this dump truck... It took us two hours up the side of a volcano into the jungle until finally we reached this small Indonesian village called Siahari. If we go to the next slide. And when we showed up, we were some of the first believers to ever step foot in that village and when we showed up, we, we did a sort of gospel crusade we call it a, a big you know event where we shared the message of Jesus with everybody in the village and there was um, almost the entire village came to know Jesus we saw people healed from their infirmities we saw people set free from um, demonic oppression we, we saw God do incredible things and and since then we 've been able to send a pastor and build a church and, and, and bring in a generator and have you know, running water brought in, build a school. And it's been incredible to see what God has done. And the people of Siahari, they weren't unreached because they rejected the gospel. They were unreached because no one had ever gone to tell them. That one of the ways that we help people in their spiritual journey moving from where they are to where God wants them to be is helping them to know God. The scripture says this, that how can they call upon him who they've not believed? And how can they believe unless someone preaches? And how can they preach, right, unless they are sent? And so um, as we consider this, I, I, you know, two, two things. In 2019, who's God asking you to share this incredible news of Jesus Christ with the news that has saved your soul, um, for an eternity apart from him. And, And number two is to consider what are you going to do as compass church to launch laborers out all around the world that, that as you send us to places like Indonesia and around the world, you're extending your hand to helping people to know God, not just here in Bloomington normal, but all around the world. The second way we help people along this spiritual journey is by helping them to discover their purpose. Um, I believe that one of the you know, greatest things about a church is within a church, you, uh, the people, the congregation, each and every one of you, Ought to be discovering your purpose the reason that you're created I heard an announcement I'm sure it's probably a, something that happens weekly talking about your next steps as a church and you know those next steps are really designed I'm sure to help you discover what God has called you to do discover areas where you can serve discover areas where you can do outreach discover areas where um, you know that uh, of how you can make a difference in this world and and so for us that's one of our passions as well that, that we want to help people in Indonesia discover their purpose, and we believe the, the best way we can do that is through the local church. And so God put it on our hearts about three years ago to plant a church. And, um, and so we had, we had uh, served two years doing campus ministry, and then our mentors were launching us out to plant a church. And so about a year and a half ago, we made a big transition as a family, and we moved to a city called Bogor. Um, Bogor in 2015 was named one of the most intolerant Islamic cities in Indonesia. And, uh, and this is where God called our family to plant the church. Um, in fact, in our city, there's 750 mosques and less than 25 churches, a city of one and a half million people. And, um, and, and so, we didn't know how we were going to start this church. We didn't know what we were going to do. Where, but we thought it would be great if we could start a small group Bible study. We thought if we could gather 12, 15 people and do a, we call it a life group. If we could have a, you know, 12 or 15 people begin studying the scriptures together, it would be a huge win. This could be our launch team for launching a church this year, all right, um, 2019. And so we began inviting people, gathering people, and, and asking anybody to come. And finally, we had our first meeting, our first small group Bible study study. It was a Sunday afternoon. It was at my house. And, uh, and that day we didn't know who was going to show up. We had 60 people Show up the Bible study. Okay. I mean, we had people all over the house. We had them. They were in my kid's bedroom. They were in my bedroom. They were on our, you know, our front porch. They were in our living room. They were all over the house. That night we started five small groups. And and I remember when everybody cleared out, everybody left, I turned to my wife and I said, honey, I think we accidentally planted a church. And so uh, it's been incredible what God's done. And from that group, Um, last January, we said anybody that wants to join us and being a part of our launch team could join our, we call it our dream team. And we have a group right now. If you want to go to the picture of our team of 35 people that since January has been meeting every single week. And these are, these are, uh, teachers, these are um, businessmen, these are um, school principals. I mean, they, they they have all sorts of different capacities out in, in the world in Indonesia. But what I tell them every week is that it's not my wife and I, it's not me and Kathleen that God is calling to plant a church, but it's you guys that God is calling to plant a church in Bogor that I believe is going to make an impact. That How many know that that it's not, it's not just, you know, Pastor Chris and Pastor Terry and, and, and the other, you know, staff pastors here at the church that God is calling to, to plant a church and, or, or to, to expand a church, to go into the new building, to make an impact here in the Bloomington Normal area. But that God is calling each and every one of you to go out and to make a difference, to discover your purpose and make an impact wherever you go. Amen. Amen. Amen got one man. I like that front row. There we go. Yeah. You guys are supposed to be my encouragement up here. I don't know if you know you, that's your job right here. You guys are supposed to be giving me the amen standing up. Woo. All right. The next point is going to be good. So you get ready. All right. And uh, so we help people along that spiritual journey, knowing God, discovering purpose, And I believe the greatest thing any of us can do with our lives is to make a difference. And really the reason we're planting this church is because I believe the church is the hope of the world. That when we plant the church, that the church is going to make the greatest impact of pushing back the darkness of Islam in our city. And I remember whenever we were just surveying different cities in Indonesia, we we were traveling around and we were praying, God, where do you want us to serve? Where do you want us to plant this church? And, the city we ended up in, I remember we were prayer walking the city. We were praying over it, asking God just to stir our hearts and, and show us that this is where he want us to serve. And, and, um, and as I shared earlier, it's, it's a very Islamic city. It, it, the, the enemy definitely has a stronghold there. And, and I remember one evening as we were praying, we sat down to eat. It was 530 at night. And uh, and as we sat down, all of a sudden in the restaurant, the the sound of the music of the restaurant went down, and and then we heard this sound. If you want to play that. Allah, Allah. Become accustomed to hearing in Indonesia. Um, It's a sound that we hear five times a day. We hear it at um, you know six o'clock in the morning when we wake up. We hear it at seven p.m. when we go to bed, and you know three times between then. But in that moment. There was just this reality, this burden that just that just came upon me. Realization, knowing that at that moment in that city, there were tens of thousands of people that were bowing their knee to a false god of a false religion, a god that can't hear them and can't answer them, and and I was reminded of the scripture in, in Indonesian. It goes, "Aku akan mendirikan gerejaku kuasa melatih <laughs> akan it. itu." That I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That how many know that when the church is established, that they, well, we're going to see people saved, we're going to see people set free from their sin, from demonic oppression, that people are going to begin to discover their purpose, that that church is going to begin to go out and make a difference. We're going to see Bogor and the rest of Indonesia one for Jesus. Amen? Ooh, there we go. And I know that this is a church that's passionate about church planting. I know that's uh, five, five years ago, seven years ago, depending on how you count it. We talked about her before service that this church was planted and that you've been a church that has been passionate about that, that believes in, in seeing churches planted in your local community, that this church is only five years old has already planted a, a daughter church. Wow. How incredible. And, uh, and what we are, it, what I wanted to ask all of you this morning, as, as you consider what you're going to do for missions in 2019, is to consider joining our team, all right, being a part of, you know, planting a church here in, in Bloomington and, and planting a sister church here in, in, in Bloomington Normal as well, and, and then saying, we we don't just want to stop there, but we want to plant a church in Bogor, West Java, Indonesia. Because what, this is what this looks like, is whenever you partner with missionaries, as as, as you say that, that we're going to, you know, a lot, a certain amount of our missions giving to work in Indonesia, what you're doing is you're extending your hand in Indonesia and saying, we want to be a part of, of what God is doing, that that you don't just, and, and not just giving, right, that, that one way you can partner is by giving, of course, but number two is, of course, praying for us, right, that you say, we are going to pray, you know, every single week until this thing becomes a reality, that as you go into the 21 days of prayer, that, that you're, you're, you're thinking, how can we make a greater impact, that we want to make an impact here, but we also want to make an impact around the world, and, uh, and I was even thinking, I mean, how cool would it be if, uh, if Compass Church was even able to come and be a part, take a short-term trip, be a part of that, um, spoiler alert, I've, I've heard all sorts of rumors this morning that I don't think we're supposed to make to the podium, but man, spoiler alert, next week, you're going to hear about a mission trip, I don't even know where it's at, <laughs> But being a part of missions and figuring out what God has called us to do in missions. And so this morning, as we consider our mission for 2019, what God's called us to do, let's all consider how we can be a part of helping people move from where they are to where God wants them to be, by helping people to know God, discover their purpose, and to make a difference. Let's uh, pray together. God, we thank you, Lord. Um, that you, God, the incredible work that you're doing through Compass Church, Lord. I just pray, um, God, I pray for this new building project. I pray, God, that it would be done by March, Lord. I, I pray, God, that you would expedite that process with the contractors, with the volunteers, Lord, with the finances, with everything needed so they'd be able to enter that building this year and that they would begin to see almost like a, um, a relaunch of Compass Church, God, that you would just multiply this church, that you would, um, God, that you would use them, Lord, to help people. People and their spiritual journey of helping them to know you, of helping them to discover their purpose, and that this would be a church, Lord, that would be a mission outpost here in Bloomington Normal to make a difference here and have their hand extended all the way around the world, Lord. I just pray blessing over them this morning. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com.